0: For those who know every line, and for those finding Star Wars for the very first time, welcome to Growing Up Skywalker.
1: Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. My name is Anna. And I'm Sam. And we are watching a very silly and then a, like, mildly silly and then somewhat dramatic episode this week. (laughs) Was that a good synopsis?
0: Yes. We are once again back in Rebels Season 2 with Episode 9, Stealth Strike, and Episode 10, Future of the Force.
1: I feel like I'm going to take the wholly silly one, and then you can have the dramedy one
0: dramedy I'll yeah t- i'll yeah, yeah. dramedy okay
1: cool 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 so stealth strike begins with just an absolutely wild opening scene <laughs> ezra is traveling through space with commander sato they're bickering whatever he's the jedi tasked to this mission of finding a lost rebel ship then something that i thought was impossible happens they get pulled out of hyperspace by the empire Which they're not supposed to be able to do.
0: Yeah, the the color goes strange in their hyperspace loop and they get yeeted out.
1: They are captured. They are clapped in handcuffs. They are marched in front of a very capable Imperial officer. At this point, I'm very tired of seeing them. He knows exactly who they are and he captured them to lure in the rest of the rebels and then flaunt it in front of Agent Callus. Cut to the rest of the rebels, zooming to their rescue... Sabine knows from her time as a cadet in the Imperial Academy that the technology that the Empire used to suck everybody out of hyperspace must be their gravity well tech that they were developing before she ran away with Ketsu to be a bounty hunter. Mm -hmm. Now it is basically fully fledged and they probably need to stop it because that is a very dangerous tool to have at the Empire's disposal.
0: Yeah, being able to just set up a roadblock and pull people out of hyperspace.
1: So Hera sends Kanan and Rex to dress up as stormtroopers and infiltrate the Star Destroyer together, and it is delightful. Rex gets to immediately do a bunch of his cool military jargon to get them onto the ship, and he's like... Cody and I, yeah, we invented this code system back in the Clone Wars. They never bothered to change it.
0: And Kanan is so fed up with all of this because he wants to be cool dad also.
1: I know. (laughs) Rex is the cooler dad. And then Kanan force tricks their way onto the actual ship. So then he gets to take a turn as cool dad. And then they painted Chopper in imperial colors and Chopper hacks into the mainframe and he's like, they're taking Ezra to a a secluded cell. We got to go rescue him. But then when they show up to Ezra's cell, Ezra has single-handedly taken out his three stormtrooper guards without even breaking a sweat. And then Kanan and Rex come around the corner in their stormtrooper outfits (laughs) And Ezra just stuns them.
0: And they fall to the ground. And then Chopper rolls around. Ezra's like, Chopper, what are you doing here? Oh, no, I shot Rex and Kanan.
1: So they wake up and Ezra's like, oh, man, you guys were so great in that firefight. I bet you didn't even see that last shot coming. And they're like, no, we only saw you.
0: (laughs) And then Chopper plays back a hologram recording of them getting shot by Ezra.
1: (laughs) You shot us. Oh my god, it's so great. However, this reignites some bickering between Kanan and Rex because Kanan wants to get out of there and Rex is like, no, we need to actually destroy the technology. Ezra takes it upon himself to bring Chopper to the reactor room and there is an incredible sequence where Chopper turns off the gravity and everyone is floating around shooting at each other and then he turns it back on just in time to like break Ezra's spine on the catwalk <laughs> that he falls onto and then run over his fingers. Yeah, poor Ezra. He does, you know, actually manage to sabotage the reactor. Then Keenan and Rex rescue Sato and the boys. Everyone is on their way out. But as they are fighting their way out of the Star Destroyer, there is so much fire that Rex decides to be a big dang hero and draw all of it onto himself and promptly gets captured...
0: He almost succeeds. I mean, he's close. He's close.
1: So Kanan has to turn into a big dang hero back and rescue him. He's like, I gotta go after my friend.
0: And Ezra's like, are you talking about Rex? You guys aren't friends. (laughs)
1: Friend? (laughs) Question (laughs) mark? Kanan and Rex fight their way into an escape pod. They blast their way out to the Rebel Cruiser. They clamp onto the bottom. And just then, the Imperial ship fires up the gravity well, it sucks them out of hyperspace, and Chopper is like, just wait for it. He rigged it to not only draw in rebel ships, but also all of the Imperial ships, too. Mm-hmm. And they all go careening into the Star Destroyer. They smash the gravity well to bits. The rebels are free. They zoom off. The whole Imperial ship system implodes on itself.
0: Just a violent, beautiful explosion.
1: So beautiful. Electric blue, flames, flames. Cheers, victory, champagne toast. It is so good.
0: Chopper adds at least 5,000 to his kill counter.
1: Probably, yeah. And then back on the rebel ship, Ezra is like, you know, dads, Kanan and Rex, when you're not fighting each other, you do really well together. Jedi and clones, now I get it. And then Kanan is like, kids these days, crazy ideas. But Kanan delivers a crisp salute to Rex, his Battle brother
0: mm-hmm. and
1: Rex delivers one back, and they, you know, it's the Star Wars equivalent of waltzing into the sunset together.
0: Yeah, big and, fan. And also, Agent Callas, who was called earlier, he's like, You need to put Ezra Bridger under triple guard. And Ezra proceeds to immediately escape because the Admiral is too uptight about it. But the Admiral is rescued by Agent Callas, who shows up with a big smirk and be like, I told you about that kid. I told you. <laughs>
1: So, what happens in the future of the Force?
0: Well, we also start in the middle of space, in the future of the Force. We're on a commercial flight from somewhere to somewhere else, and there's a crying baby, which is just the worst. And it's so bad that the Inquisitors actually stop the crying baby.
1: Sam! <laughs> that's not what happens! So,
0: the Inquisitors pull up alongside this shuttle. The baby is crying, and the Inquisitors kill Everyone on the shuttle, except for the mom, re- reduce it to wreckage and take the baby. Ugh. So we cut to Ahsoka, who we haven't seen in a few episodes, and she's striding up onto the ghost to talk about Jedi business with Kanan. The Jedi business is, she's been listening to transmissions from Mustafar, and... She is going to go and look at one of the sources of these transmissions or one of the locations. And she's asking Hera to send the boys, Chopper, Zeb, Kanan, and Ezra to the other one.
1: I feel like that tells you a lot right there. Ahsoka's like, all right, I'll handle this one. I need three boys to handle the other one.
0: (laughs) And Chopper. So the boys head down to a random planet, a rundown apartment block, and they split up. Zeb goes to the hangar and he finds two Inquisitor Tie Fighters, and one of them has a baby and the windows rolled up.
1: That is neglect. I know they are supervillains, but no one did. No one teach them basic child care.
0: Chopper's like, "We're here to blow up the Tie Fighters," and Zeb's like, "I'm gonna take the baby first." And Chopper's like, "Fine, <laughs> whatever order of operations you prefer." <laughs> So Chopper goes back with one baby and then Kanan and Ezra are going through this apartment building when they find a ransacked apartment and inside of it is an Ithorian mother who's like, my baby, I gave it to the the nanny droid. I
1: sent it down the River Nile in a basket. yes.
0: And so they phone into Zeb and Zeb's like, oh, I see the nanny droid. And he grabs the other baby.
1: It is the cutest baby in the world. And Zeb picks it up and is like, ugh.
0: (laughs) All of a sudden, he sends the nanny droid off and immediately hears the nanny droid get sliced in half by a lightsaber because he is immediately being chased by Inquisitors. So... He runs back inside the apartment building. Ezra, Kanan, Zeb, and a baby are running through this apartment building and just trying to figure out what's going on. They are cutting holes in the ceiling. They're shoving Ezra up into the vertical ducts.
1: We should say they're being chased by fifth brother and seventh sister. Yes,
0: the two Inquisitors who we've seen since the demise of Grand Inquisitor. And... It's a, it's no sure thing. There's a lot of back and forth. Everyone's having to act as decoys for each other. And eventually, Ezra and the baby make it to the hangar. The door is shut and Chopper is not opening it. And then right behind him is Kanan and Zeb. And right behind them is the Inquisitors. The Inquisitors immediately beat up Zeb, beat up Kanan. <laughs> Beat up Ezra and
1: the baby. The baby Ezra
0: protects the baby with his body, and they're like, "All right, job done. Let's do this." When the door opens,
1: a bright light shines.
0: Ahsoka turns her stereo up to eleven, which (laughs) is choral music, and is like, "I'm gonna go beat some people up."
1: I'm going to go dishonor these inquisitors and their families.
0: So she takes fifth brother and she's just like, cease your incessant warbling and shoves him into a wall. He's out for the count. Seventh sister puts up a little bit more of a fight, but actually not really because after all the boys have escaped, Ahsoka turns off her lightsabers, does a little curtsy and goes into meditation two feet from seventh sister. Seventh sister raises up her lightsaber and Ahsoka grabs her spinning blade by the handle and turns it off and throws it away, shoves Seven Sister against the wall, goes up to her with a lightsaber and says, You are beaten. Dude! Then the cops show up and it's a hundred stormtroopers and Seven Sister's like, Ha 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 ha, no, I have reinforcements, ha, ha.
1: Well, she says, Your capture will please Lord Vader.
0: And, and Ahsoka
1: it, says, Tell your master he'll have to wait.
0: And because the boys ride off in the Phantom and Ahsoka jumps aboard it and takes off. So they leave. The good guys win. They reunite the babies with the mothers. But Ezra, being only competent 95% of the time here, as he's leaving the apartment building with the baby... (sighs) He says, you're a cute little thing. Maybe you can come visit us on Garel after we reunite you with your mom. You'd like that, wouldn't you? And Seventh Sister, with her little baby probe droids, heard that and plays the message back to the Inquisitors who are standing over the wreckage of their blown-up TIE fighters. And so... Yeah, they spilled the beans.
1: Ezra is a child of the 90s and should know not to put personally identifiable information on the internet. <laughs> Come on, Ezra.
0: I think. He was just in a moment of, of weakness and needs to learn his OPSEC. So Hi. Hi. So a little bit of a cliffhanger, we'll see what the Inquisitors are up to. Yeah,
1: well the important end note, I think, is that the rebels correctly call back to the Clone Wars and say, Oh, a Sith Lord has attempted this before. The Jedi Order intercepted him when he was trying to steal four sensitive babies.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: guess there's no Jedi Order now. It's our job now.
0: Just another thing on their to-do list. I know, right? Yeah.
1: Overthrow the Empire, protect the babies.
0: Raise a bunch of children.
1: Worship Ahsoka, the avenging angel
0: herself. <laughs> oh my God, My
1: queen. She is so good. What do you want to talk about?
0: Well, let's start with the Malevolence arc. I mean, stealth strike.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have... So many fun tidbits for both of these episodes. However, I want to ask you a clarifying question. Mm-hmm. Is the ship that Rex and Kanan use to infiltrate the Star Destroyer in Stealth Strike a Lambda-class shuttle? No. Dang it! Uh,
0: it is a Sentinel-class shuttle, I believe, which is like a, a Lambda with an extended bed.
1: Bummer. I thought it was a Lambda, and I was so excited. It's my favorite Star Wars ship. I actually named my car the Lambda, Mm -hmm. and it looked just like it, and I was so bummed.
0: No, the real Lambdas are really um, a lot smaller. Those ones can hold a ton of stuff, these uh, these Sentinels. It's either a Sentinel or a row or something. No, it's not a row, but it's, it's similar. It's adjacent. It's the same, you know, drivetrain. It's a, it's a different model of the same type of thing.
1: Did you look at it and say, ah, yes, this could be a Lambda class shuttle. No. Or was I just totally off?
0: You're not totally, I mean, it's got the three wings. It's got the little snoot boot. It's got <laughs> the, it's, this one just has a bigger butt. It's just, ah, an yes. ex- it's an extended bed. Give version. me that
1: snoot boot and medium sized butt.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, that is a bummer, because I did squeal like a little girl, undeservedly. It's my <laughs> I was like, it's my baby. There,
0: There is an important ship note in this with the Interdictor-class destroyer, though.
1: Oh, is that the Star Destroyer?
0: Yes, but it's got... So this Interdictor-class, it's a little bit more streamlined than a normal Star Destroyer, and it's got big borges. Okay. It's got these big circles, and each of those is a gravity well generator. And so... The entire idea of how hyperspace works is basically cobbled together from role-playing game supplements from the 80s. That's really funny. So much of Star Wars is. like uh, In Wings of the Master last week, we talked about how like the B-Wing is like, oh, it's slow. And I'm like, who would make a slow? I mean, make it a P-47 where it's fast as heck and also just demonstrably, just interminably bulletproof. But... The idea of all of these things having various attributes to balance them in a gaming system.
1: Oh, so you can't make anything too, too good without it having significant drawbacks because Mm you would give players an edge. Mm
0: -hmm. But in this one, we talk about the rules of hyperspace. And so the rules of hyperspace, as talked about in a lot of Legends work, are basically that you're looking for a path that goes through like empty areas of space. And the more stuff in the way, you can't get close to stuff because stuff will pull you out. So if you like come out of hyperspace too late or too early, you're going to be closer to a mass object, like a sun or a black hole or something like that. Or
1: an asteroid or a planet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why most of the time when you come out of hyperspace, you're outside of a star system or you're like in an you know you're in like the inner planets because you know that there's a pretty small you're close to the sun but you're in the inner planets you're you're gonna be fine. Now in the X-wing uh, Rogue Squadron books they talked a lot about this because they used these interdictor classes to do really fun tricks. Um, like they had one where they kept it on until the last minute because they wanted to pull the good guys out of uh, a trap early Ooh. enough that they could escape. But then ten, with 10 seconds to spare, they say, no, turn it off so we can get even closer. So this idea of an interdictor class is that it's something which you stand in the middle of a space lane. And normally that doesn't actually exist. You just kind of phase through it in hyperspace. But if you create a black hole sized gravity mass in the middle of it, you'll get pulled out of hyperspace.
1: So you need to have a really big mass, which means your ship has to be really big, right? Right.
0: Or it needs to have some sort of mass generator. And because Mm. this is science technology, you can just make something which appears to have more mass, or perhaps it acts on hyperspace in a way that is indicative of having more mass. So that's why it has those big bulges. And each of those creates a mass field. And that pulls ships out of hyperspace, which means that you can use these to pick it around something. And that means that Any, like, starfighters or smugglers who are trying to sneak in will get pulled out, and then they're next to a Star Destroyer, and then Mm -hmm. they have a different set of problems.
1: Yeah. I guess that's the science explanation for the plot thing. Yes. Which is that, I mean, I was thinking, my first reaction when I watched Stealth Strike is that this was such a pure, clean, fun episode yeah like it's amazing to watch your heroes thrive and be really really good at what they're doing and there's a big victory it's like the new year's eve ball dropping at the end Uh everyone is hooting and hollering and cheering and confetti blasting but we see in the next episode when the inquisitors gravity well the civilian transport out of hyperspace that the stealth strike crew didn't actually stop the technology at its source they just blew up one example
0: I think, I mean, that could be true. That ship's not traveling through hyperspace, though. They're just getting pulled over. Mm. Because if you have like a cruiser or whatever in orbit, you can just tractor beam people in.
1: Oh, okay, okay. So maybe I was wrong in my reading, but I think I was correct in that that was probably not the only place where they stored the blueprints for creating an, what is it, an addictor class?
0: Interdictor, yeah. An
1: interdictor class cruiser. So now a major, major escape ploy that used to be available to everyone in the galaxy, whether they were up to good or bad, whether they were pirates or rebels or whatever, that is now cut off.
0: It's not completely cut off because you still need to have an interdictor cruiser in place. Right. right? Because there's a a galaxy spanning network of hyperlanes and the interdictor cruiser can block one of them. And oftentimes they like intersect or we'll have uh, – there's like the Hylian Way or the Corellian Run and there's these main trade lanes. And this would stop all traffic at one of them. Mm -hmm. But essentially it is a roadblock. And so there are other roads, but most people can't go off-road. In the High Republic books, the Eye of the Storm raiders have a completely different way to get around, Mm. which messes with things significantly.
1: I wonder, so my other favorite Star Wars ship is Duku solar sailor, yes. which we have talked about at length on the Patreon, very little on the real show, yeah. I think, but it works based on this mysterious technology that the Geonosians gifted mm-hmm. to Dooku during the Clone War, and it allows him to travel, uh, I should say allowed
0: ba-dum, ba-dum. him I mean, the to ship's travel, still around. but yes.
1: Allowed him to travel in hyperspace, but using solar power. Mm. So I wonder if that would let him kind of skirt around a gravity well. Perhaps. I think there's ways to subvert it. I'm just thinking that based on, and I'm going to call back to Andor again, based on the Narkeena Five prison system, we mm-hmm. know that the Empire is using prison labor to build imperial armaments. Yes. So it just doesn't seem that far-fetched to me that they're building a lot of these interdictor class cruisers.
0: Yeah. And it's a it's a good tool for them to have all around. Mm-hmm. That's definitely one of the things they want to do is control the flow of people, information, and material. Mm-hmm. 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 So that actually leads to the main conflict in this episode, because I also want to circle back to how everyone's a big damn hero in this
1: episode. (laughs) But the
0: main conflict from the get-go is between Rex and Kanan, because Kanan's like, the mission is go in, get Commander Sato, get Ezra, bounce. And Rex is like, and also blow up this thing. Yeah, yeah. And Kanan's like, that's not the mission. And Rex like, look, it's not hard to blow up a Star Destroyer. I've done it so many times.
1: Well, and it's <laughs> also, I think, a critical tension between Kanan as a... Lovable Rogue, who Mm -hmm. traditionally has only been out for himself and his family. Mm -hmm. And Rex, who was a captain and understands big picture strategic military goals, which are, no, we can't just rescue the prisoners. We have to blow up the reason that they were imprisoned in the first place. Like, we have to protect the troops.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So they have such a lovely, lovely arc. They go from bickering... To Kanan and Rex standing shoulder to shoulder in a hallway of the Star Destroyer, and Kanan's like, "All right, all force pull. You shoot."
0: Yep, and this whole thing is very funny, especially when they're all together because Commander Sato is acting as the audience stand in there because he's like used to sitting there and he's fighting a bunch of storm tr- I mean, he's a he's an admiral, you know. He fight he sends A wings and things, but. At best, he's seen a bunch of, like, rebel grunts shoot against a bunch of stormtroopers, and he's like, yep, it's just two dudes shooting with blasters. But then now he's fighting with two Jedi and a clone trooper, like, one of the best clone troopers ever. And he's like, oh, these guys are actually good at this. Like, <laughs> I see why, like, one Jedi can absolutely turn the tide of this battle.
1: Yeah, which is cool. I I also think the main importance there is that Kanan and Rex become battle-forged brothers yes. because, you know, Rex gets captured because he's a big dang hero. And Keen is like, I got to go after my friend. Mm-hmm. And that is beautiful. And and even their body language changes so much. When they're in the Sentinel-class cruiser and they're coming up on the Star mm-hmm. Destroyer, their arms are crossed and they're turned away from each other and they're bickering. And then by the time they're in the hallway, Kanan puts his hand on Rex's shoulder. Yeah. And just that closeness feels so good.
0: So they're also big dang heroes throughout because especially after Kanan rescues Rex and they're like, oh, well, there's a whole ship of bad guys between us and the exit. We'll just take an escape pod. They're fighting their way along and they're making it look so effortless. Uh Uh-huh. Now that they've taken off their helmets, like Rex probably killed a dude by yeeting his helmet at him because he's like, I can't see anything in this helmet. He (laughs) just dongs a guy on the head. It was so good. And. Then he's just like getting perfect shots. He's shooting behind his back. Kenan is blocking behind his back, and they're running along arm in arm as they make it out. And they're fantastic. And also, in that same time frame, first of all, Ezra's escape is hilarious because oh my
1: God. He, he really hams it up.
0: Yeah, the Admiral phones in. And he's like, Agent Callis, I have a boy, Jabba the Hutt, also an AKA Ezra Bridger, on my ship. And Callis is like, Triple guard, seal the exits, put him in space. I'll be there ASAP. He's like, he's like a teenager. What can he do? And Kallus is like, you'll see. Cut to Ezra, who's like being marched towards the brig by four stormtroopers. And he's like, just so you know, I'm not going to kill any of you when I escape. <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? He grabs his lightsaber using the force, does a backflip to avoid shots while handcuffed, undoes the handcuffs, slices all their lightsabers, force flings them in the brig cell, throws his handcuffs after them. And he's like, told you.
1: And then he spins around. He sees Kanan and Rex coming around the corner. He like dives backwards while shooting from the hip and nails both of them while in midair. They go down. I'm like, Ezra Bridger is a hottie (laughs) with a body. Incredible. Uh,
0: And that's such a funny bit because Kanan is like, I can't believe you shot us. And Rex is like, you should have said it to kill. (laughs) (laughs) And then the next moment that Ezra is a big dang hero is after they split up again because Kanan's gone to go rescue Rex. And Sato is like, "Uh, this is not enough Jedi to solve this situation. I've been with this boy, Ezra Bridger. I know it's pretty cool that he escaped by himself, but he's still like a teenager. And they're pinned down in a hallway, and Ezra's like, okay, let's do this, and he marches down half the hallway, defeating half the stormtroopers. He's like, are you guys coming or what? (laughs) And it's this cool thing where he's like jumping off the walls, and he's like hiding behind columns, and he's reaching out and snapping things out of the way. It's a very cool, very fluidic fighting style. And Sato's like, he's got this! Let's go! Oh my (laughs) god,
1: the Sato arc is incredible, (laughs) because they start off and Ezra has been tasked to this mission to recover the lost ship. And
0: he's like spinning in his chair on the bridge. He's like, this is boring.
1: And Sato is like, I was told by your mom (laughs) that you could actually be helpful to us. And then Ezra is not particularly helpful. They get captured. And Ezra's like, don't worry, commander Sato. I've been captured a lot. (laughs) And Sato is like, that doesn't make me feel better.
0: And I was like, but wait, that means I've escaped a lot. (laughs)
1: Then when they're pinned down and Sato's like, there's too many of them. And Ezra's like, don't worry, I got this. And hearing Commander June Sato's distinguished, pristine accent being like, he's got this. Mm -hmm. I howled. I howled. It was so good. It was just fun because it feels like Ezra has really leveled up. Yes. But there's a cool contrast because we see Ezra level up. He's this, like, cool action Jedi. Mm-hmm. Then we see Ahsoka Tano, and she has also leveled up.
0: So this next episode, Children of the Force. The Future of the Force, sorry. Children <laughs> of the Force is the same one except Cad Bane's the bad guy in The Clone Wars.
1: You can be forgiven for swapping the titles. They are n- basically identical. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so the Inquisitors have been given this task to track down these babies and it's all madcap. It's running around. It's a little scary, but nothing terribly interesting happens until Ahsoka rolls out. And basically this entire episode is distilled down to that fight, which shows that Zeb, while specifically asked for by Ahsoka to wrestle with fifth brother, is does fine until he gets thrown into a wall. And then Kanan is not quite ready to face two Inquisitors at once. He does all right, but he can't face two of them at once. And Ahsoka shows up and just embarrasses them. She
1: just comes down like a freaking hammer.
0: And so we learn that they know who she is. They really know that who she is. They know she's alive and they know what's going on. And now they know where she is. Because she's on their basic grill. So, as far as the Inquisitor internal politics go, this is a coup. Like, when Reva was learning where Obi Wan Kenobi is, she's like, This piece of information is so incredibly valuable to me that it's turning my entire life around. And it's basically going to rip me. I'm either going to promote myself out of the Inquisitors or I'm going to promote myself out of the Inquisitors through death. Like, That is what she was doing with this information. Imagine how Seventh Sister and Fifth Brother feel learning where Ahsoka Tano is.
1: Wow. Yeah, so I was thinking, I mean, I was thinking about Ahsoka. Ahsoka's amazing. She has grown maybe more skillful with the blade, but also more spiritual. Since the Clone Wars, I just, like, I I want to just touch briefly before we move into the bigger point that mm-hmm. she does the Qui-Gon meditation move in the middle of her fight with Seven Sister where she kneels down and meditates to center herself and then, you know, whack-a-mole Seven Sister and slams her against a column, takes her out of the game. Yeah. That's a really cool evolution. I... Also, want to talk about this big picture political stuff with the Inquisitors because of how often this plot thread has come up across Star Wars and what it means that we're returning to it now. Mm. So we saw the force baby stealing thread in the Clone Wars season three with the Holocron heist.
0: That's right, yeah.
1: And what we saw there is that Palpatine, Darth Sidious, was stealing away Force-sensitive babies. He had them in horrible baby cribs on Mustafar. Yes. And was putting weird headpieces on them and doing question mark.
0: Yeah, evil stuff. So I recently read the Darth Vader um, compilation comic compilation, which is canon, and there is a major force dark side force nexus on mustafar okay and so presumably at some point palpatine was like oh i'll just do something with babies and dark side force nexus like doesn't matter a lot of irons in the fire he's doing secret evil sith stuff and it's specifically not talked about because this is in fact a kid's show and they're not going to be like they're pithing the babies and like... Or they're supercharging them with midichlorians or something to or make they, them... yeah.
1: Or they're savage-oppressing them with mommy tea juice, you know?
0: Yeah, or he's like sucking their... He's turning them into a living blood bank and making clones or who knows, all sorts of stuff. Making like force-sensitive people with blood transfusions could Ugh. do all sorts of stuff. Because that kind of thing could twist the force. So he's definitely doing... Evil stuff based off of Force babies. Okay.
1: So then we pick up on the plot thread again in Kenobi, where we see that the path exists to siphon Force sensitive kiddos somewhere safe. Yeah. Maybe Quinlan Voss is helping out. We're not 100% sure. And it feels like there's a dual purpose. One is to keep the babies away from the Sith, Mm. but the other might be to. I don't know, weaponize Force-sensitive people for the Rebellion? Hmm. Unclear. We don't actually know what happens to the kids once they reach the end of the path.
0: So it seems like, and I don't know how canon this is, but that like, if you're Force-sensitive, it shows itself when you are young, and then it kind of tapers off or it just turns into a weird quirk. If If you're untrained, then if you don't use it it's not that you lose it but like you don't know what's going on and you may become completely overwhelmed by the dark side but without like the mysteries of the sith without understanding what you're doing you might just like explode mm. so it seems like being on the light side of the force is a safer path
1: mm-hmm. but
0: if you just take away anything and just let people live then maybe they will be strong in the force but not actually a force user someone who wields the force as a weapon they might be an incredible pilot or an incredible salesman or something like that without learning the specific ways of looking at the world and being able to alter it
1: Mm. they might just be like people who have really crazy deja vu you know where you dream about stuff before it happens yeah
0: or like all of the really, really good pilots of Star Wars might be just a little bit Force-sensitive. You know, they're they're not Force-sensitive enough to be beating down with a lightsaber, but they have reflexes that are 50% faster than the normal member of their species, and so they do fine.
1: Yeah, or like freaking Sabine, who... <laughs> Before we move on to the main point, she has now done two pieces of graffiti art that have told the future. Yes. She did the one of Ezra and Zeb falling on top of each other, which, to be fair, she did make that happen. (laughs) And then she also does the one this episode of Rex and Kanan, like, having a great time battling together. And it totally happened.
0: Yeah. Maybe maybe she's force sensitive.
1: I mean, I don't know. Whatever. To return to... The main point, which is Force-sensitive children are cropping up all over the galaxy. It sounds like, and I'm taking this from the text of this episode, from the transcript, the Inquisitors belong to Vader. Mm -hmm. Ahsoka calls them the Sith Lord's Inquisitors. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Is Darth Vader picking up these Force-sensitive kiddos to keep them from Palpatine or to deliver them to Palpatine?
0: Oh, okay. So I'm going to – this is slightly, I guess, out of scope for growing up Skywalker because growing up Skywalker is we are watching everything canon. You've never seen any of it, and I've seen all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've also read a lot of these comic books. So I just read the whole Darth Vader one, and there is an arc in that where Jocasta knew – uh after the events of Order 66, she survives. She's the target number one because she knows where everybody's secrets are buried. She knows where <laughs> the Sith secrets are buried. She knows all their passwords. She is an archivist. She knows all of it.
1: She knows the browser history. She knows, she
0: knows Palpatine's browser history. So she's he's like, you need to kill her.
1: Including when he's on incognito mode.
0: And so... Uh, She puts together a secret archive and then in a cave, and then blows up the entrance to the cave. So, some Jedi will find it someday. And then she has to go to the Jedi Temple because she needs one more piece. And that piece turns out to be a holocron, which is a list of all the younglings, all the force sensitive children in the galaxy. And when Vader captures her, he kills her and he crushes the crystal.
1: And he knows what's on it?
0: He knows what's on it, and he crushes it. Ooh. So, what does Vader do with the knowledge of Force-sensitive children? There are three important things going on there. One of them is, eventually he wants to overthrow the Emperor because he is, in fact, a Sith. Uh And that is the point of the Sith, is to overthrow your master after you've learned enough. Two is... He has kids, and if they're alive, they're Force-sensitive. He
1: doesn't know he has kids.
0: I mean, he knows that Padme was mega preggers last time he saw her.
1: Then she died. Yeah? He doesn't know that they C-sectioned those babies out, does he?
0: I don't think so. I think he wishes that knowledge to remain unknown to him.
1: I actually think the reading is that vader has empathy for four sensitive children because he's haunted by the memory of how he could have had four sensitive children and it's almost like out of respect for his dead babies mm-hmm. that he saves other people's living babies that's how that's how i imagine he sees it
0: interesting i think
1: there's a lot going on there that's my read
0: I feel like he wishes to sequester the knowledge of forest-sensitive babies from himself in order to keep it sequestered from Palpatine.
1: Okay, that's also a compelling read.
0: Because he wants to, he knows that so so, Palpatine created the Inquisitors and then handed them over to Vader. Vader used them and he uses them up. He's just like, go forth, fight amongst yourselves. I will kill some of you. It'll be fine. But none of them hold a candle to his power. They're not true Sith. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like what the Empire is, there's two Sith Lords at the center of it. And Palpatine is also the Emperor. He also has Tarkin working for him and Krennic and all these other people. He's got the whole ISB. He has a whole government, a whole galaxy-spanning government working for him. And Vader has none of that.
1: Just the Inquisitors.
0: Who were gifted to him. They're not truly his. -hmm. And so anything that Vader can use to pull himself up by depriving the Emperor of it without the Emperor punishing him is likely something that he wants. But he doesn't have any resources to set up a baby murder factory on Mustafar like Palpatine did.
1: What was the third thing?
0: Uh, Vader has another kid. Vader has two kids. Yeah. And he probably doesn't know because he seems like an incredibly bad parent. Hmm. Just like incredibly bad bad husband to a pregnant wife.
1: Vader would also probably leave a newborn in his TIE fighter with the windows rolled up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But he's also incredibly strong in the force Uh and what he knows and what he refuses to acknowledge are really valuable pieces of information. But that's hard to, that's hard to say there's after Anakin puts on the mask, we are, Really know so much less about what's going on in his head mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it really makes a difference because we imagine him as this person who is deeply mercurial and angry, but also affable and fun, like and loving and, and, and compassionate. Loving. yeah he is, you know, he is a good Jedi master sometimes. He's a good husband sometimes. And so, People see the good and they see the bad. And once he's put on the mask and shorn his previous identity, who is he? No one knows.
1: I know. He was always such a character of extremes. Putting Ahsoka through the hardest Padawan training of any Padawan. And then it ended up launching her head and shoulders above any Jedi of her age. Mm -hmm. Defending Rex in season seven of the Clone Wars. That is the kind of training that he instilled in her. And also he didn't give her the tools of equanimity because he didn't have them himself yeah he was always he was always knowable but extreme and tragic and now he is unknowable and only extreme in one direction and still tragic
0: yeah and you can't you just can't tell anything about what he's up to.
1: Yeah, just so, nothing behind that flat black mirrored mask. Yeah,
0: exactly. So and in the the Darth Vader book, there's a lot of the inquisitors and Darth Vader like being on the same planet with slightly different missions mm-hmm. because Vader will be like you need to kill so and so and then he's like and I need to rescue so and so from you. Like he's he's playing two steps ahead of them the whole time. So the fact that the inquisitors are being sent to grab these things, and they're getting them, they're they're capturing these babies, they're they're doing it until Ahsoka ca- like intercepts their transmissions, is pretty scary.
1: Yeah. So let's return to that big bombshell from a couple minutes ago because I totally got us off track. Now, fifth brother and seventh sister know that mm-hmm. Ahsoka is probably hanging out on Gorel. This is incredibly important information.
0: Because she's hanging out with Jabba the Hutt and Ezra Bridger and Kanan Jarrus and Harrison Dula on the Ghost, formerly of Lethal,
1: And now the Sith have a target to shoot at, Mm -hmm. which is Ahsoka and the Rebels. Yeah. That feels significant.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's pretty scary.
1: I guess the question is... Because we, you know, watched Kenobi, saw what Reva did with this information. The question is whether fifth brother and seventh sister will team up and go after Ahsoka and the rebels, deliver this information to Vader and or Palpatine and go after the rebels, or fight amongst themselves and try to solo it.
0: You know, and that's a really good point because... When it was just the Grand Inquisitor, he was doing his thing and he was doing actually quite well. Oh, yeah. Until Kanan leveled up.
1: Kanan with the power of friendship. Yeah.
0: Now I have nothing (laughs) left to lose. Get wrecked, noob. Um, But Seven Sister and Fifth Brother have always been sniping at each other. Like, Seven Sister was always just like calling him out for being a big dummy and being like tricked by things. Yeah, because he he
1: is a big dummy who gets tricked by things. He's like a big hunk. He's a big, he's just a big hunk.
0: And we've learned, we saw in Kenobi that he was like second in line to be promoted. And now it's 15 years later and everyone is like moving past him. Yeah, you know, Seventh Sister is Oof. like, you're just a big, get with the times. Okay, Boomer, let's do this.
1: He really has been so stagnant in his career. Yes. No promotion, 15 years. What are you doing, Fifth Brother?
0: And Seventh Sister is new and she's the new hotness and she's just making fun of him for making stupid decisions. And she also lasted way longer against Ahsoka than he did. So <laughs> if I were Fifth Brother, I'd be trying to kill Seventh Sister
1: yeah for real and if I were seven sister, I would be trying to take out this distraction.
0: I would be like, fifth brother, go sacrifice yourself to tire them out so I can go in and get the kill you know or I wouldn't tell him that, but that's what my plan would be.
1: I would okay boomer that boomer. Yeah. I would give them I would give fifth brother a PDF to convert <laughs> <laughs> and watch his brain short circuit.
0: Oh man.
1: So that is a big cliffhanger. yeah. on the plus side. I have so many fun facts for you this episode. Hit me with them. Okay. Do you want fun facts about a planet, a character, or a voice actor?
0: A voice actor.
1: Okay. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Ah, yes. Is the voice actor for Seventh Sister.
0: And also...
1: And also, guess who she's married to?
0: Kanan Jarrus.
1: Kanan freaking Jairus, a.k.a. Freddie Prinz Jr., they're married, and that is why they have the hottest chemistry (laughs) in their voices on screen, and it is so good.
0: You can tell. It's funny. They They are, yeah. They say funny stuff to each other. She
1: is toying with him, Mm -hmm. and he just, you know, gets the gravel, and it's so good.
0: And what a fun move to be like, (laughs) because she's, uh, you know... Very accomplished actress, and so like showing up and be like, I wish to be a voice actor in Star Wars opposite my husband, and like, okay, the only role we have for you is like the evil inquisitor who's trying to kill him, and she's like, perfect, the, ho- <laughs> the
1: hot baddie.
0: I love it, I love it.
1: It's very Assange and Kenobi,
0: it is, yes. Although they, you know, it's funny, you can actually tell that they have a little bit of chemistry, so that's fun.
1: They have a lot of chemistry, yeah. So did Assange and Kenobi, they
0: did actually, yes.
1: Okay, would you like the character fun fact or the planet fun fact? The
0: planet fun fact.
1: Okay, so the world that they're on in The Future of the Force, Mm -hmm. with all of the Athorians hanging around, Mm -hmm. is called Taco Bow. Okay. And the trivia for this episode says, The world Taco Bow may or may not have its name derived from the fact that the dining option on that day of the writers' conference was a taco bar. <laughs> <laughs> and if that doesn't tell you what life is like at Lucasfilm, I don't know what does.
0: It's actually like a point of honor in the Star Wars universe to have your name Lucasized into something else. Because they'll take a name. Like, uh, like Corey. Corey. Yeah, they'll take a name and they'll Star Warsize it. They'll They'll mix around the syllables and then you become part of Star Wars lore.
1: Forever. Forever. I just, oh my god, it paints such a vivid picture for me of like, they spend all morning, the writers, they're fresh, they're energized, they're like, snap, 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 coming up with plot lines, they eat lunch, and they get the sleepies.
0: And they're like, what do we name this planet? What do
1: we name this planet? I don't know, bro. Taco bar.
0: (laughs) Not taco bar, taco ba. Perfect. Send it.
1: Taco ba. Perfect. (laughs) A plus, no changes. Ugh. Ugh. So fun. I just loved it.
0: What is your last little niblet of trivia for us?
1: I laughed so hard I almost cried when I read this. I always look at the character designs with the concept art, Mm -hmm. and I zoomed in on the little Ithorian infant. Who's
0: very cute. Pipey. Yes.
1: And the character animators put a little teeny tiny note that said, please take the drool pattern on this infant from Asmorigan, the strawberry evil man,
0: <laughs> who's always drooling. Oh my gosh, he is the worst gangster. And they
1: copy pasted it from this grown creature, yeah, man, and put it on a baby.
0: Still drooly baby.
1: Oh my god, it was so good. Yeah, I love how much fun it is possible to have on big creative projects like this. It just fills me with joy.
0: What I love. About Rebels, and this brings it together because this is like pure Rebels energy, these two episodes. is just like running around, getting chased by Inquisitors, messing with Imperials, doing actually big dang hero stuff. Important
1: like strategic stuff.
0: Blowing up like secret weapons and stuff, but laughing at it. Mm-hmm. And also, it's very intricately weaved with all of the Star Wars lore. Because it's after the Disney acquisition, it's after Pablo Hidalgo comes on and is like, I need to hold on to every single thread and move them forward. And it's got the heart of Dave Filoni saying every one of these characters needs to have growth. Mm. And you put that all together and you have episodes like this, which are every single one of them is moving the plot along. And they're fun. They're really fun. And Ahsoka that. beats them up so bad. <laughs>
1: I mean, you get heroism, you get the family feeling, Mm -hmm. you get jokes, you get cool action sequences. It's just like the slightly older, much more well-adjusted, older sibling of the Clone
0: Wars. (laughs) Yeah, After you
1: grow out of your angsty phase and you're, like, feeling good with the world and you're feeling good with yourself... You know, for all for all you folks that they're in your Clone Wars era, don't worry. You'll be in your Rebels era someday.
0: <laughs> and it is still a kid's show in recognizing that the protagonists are children. This is an episode about rescuing little babies and the scary moments, you know that everything's gonna be okay. But it is it can be pretty scary. Like when Fifth Brothers jamming his lightsaber into the air duct and missing Ezra by mere millimeters like that's pretty scary but we know everything's gonna be okay because even like a little kid is like they're not gonna kill a baby with a lightsaber on screen so there's a little bit of like plot armor there that keeps it light and i appreciate that
1: yeah this is not game of thrones
0: do they even kill babies on screen in game of thrones
1: not on screen yeah
0: for real like that's that's Definitely too far. Definitely Actually, off screen.
1: You know what? They do sacrifice the babies to the white walkers. Oh, that's right, yeah. So yeah, this Gnarly. is not that show. Thank God.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of things that are not this show, <laughs> I think it's time for Baywatch.
1: I think it's time for Baywatch too. It's time for Baywatch. Baywatch. <laughs> Sam, I want you to go first.
0: Oh, man. This is a tough one.
1: Give me your bae.
0: Well, I'm going to go with Ahsoka. Uh, and here's why. This is the first time we get to see Ahsoka twin white lightsabers.
1: Oh, yeah. What what color were they in the Clone Wars season so, seven? So um,
0: in season seven, they were both blue. Oh. And in earlier seasons, she started off with green and then switched to green and yellow. And then she was gifted two blue ones, and now they're white. And she turns them on and she leaps 50 feet in the air and she Goomba stomps a goon and then she bullies an inquisitor.
1: <laughs> Physically and emotionally abusive. We love it. And she's
0: like, I'm not, you're not even worth the time to kill. Like, I'm, you are beaten after a sword fight to the death is such a, just like sitting there and being like, you're. You're done. You're not worth my time.
1: Just in Ashley Eckstein's little Ahsoka voice, you are beaten. (laughs) Yes. And it's much
0: more serious now. But my gosh, that's a... This is a great fight scene.
1: It was worth the price of admission.
0: Yeah. And then she's just like, oh, yeah, no, you guys thought you had me caught. It turns out I can... Like... As a Jedi, you're used to dealing with like human Jedis who are like, I can jump 50 times my normal height, but I am a Chagruton and I can jump 15 times my normal height already. So <laughs> multiplicative, I'm going to jump 300 feet in the air and see ya. <laughs> And they're like, well, I guess she escaped. And it's such a, we are now charting the path of Ahsoka in such a meaningful way and we don't get to see her All the time, Mm -hmm. right? Like so many of these episodes don't have her in it and you find yourself missing it, but it actually makes the story all the more meaningful to just have these moments where she comes along and realize she has not been standing still the last 15 years. Whatever she's been doing, she did not skip dojo day in the lightsaber (laughs) dojo.
1: That is a, I mean, that's a phenomenal point on all fronts. I also think it speaks to her grown-up independence. Mm -hmm. There's such a hierarchy in Rebels where Hera orders people around because she's the mom and the general. Mm -hmm. And Sato, you know, tells people to go here and Rex tells people to go there, but no one is commanding Ahsoka because she is her own commander. And I think it's such a beautiful transition from when she was a Padawan and Anakin would say, okay, Ahsoka, go stop this civil war. Okay, Ahsoka, go infiltrate this rebel cell and help them take over Onderon.
0: And she's like, I am woefully underqualified for this. And he's like, well, I got stuff to do, so...
1: (laughs) And then she steps up, but no one is telling Ahsoka where to go or what to do anymore. So she has taken total ownership of her growth as a spiritual force user, Mm -hmm. her prowess as a warrior, Mm -hmm. and her strategic ability to influence the good fight. She is taking ownership of all of that and charting her own path and succeeding on every front,
0: and also she still is herself. Yeah, as as she steps over Ezra and the baby. Oh because my gosh, he's sitting there and he's like, uh, "I'm tapping out," and she's like, "Ezra, get to the ship." And he's like, "Are you cool?" And she winks at him. She
1: winks. And she's
0: like, I'll be fine. Like, it's just two dudes. If
1: Ahsoka Tano winked at me, I would spontaneously combust. (laughs) I would be like, we're best friends now, right?
0: And what's great about that scene in particular is that Zeb and Kanan miss it. And so Ezra's like helping them up. And and Kanan's like, we got to go get Ahsoka. And Ezra's like... I, she's fine. She's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. I know, I, I can feel when a Jedi busts out two lightsabers and winks at me to go <laughs> beat up some Inquisitors, she's fine.
1: Come on, boys. She's got this. And the
0: whole time, she was, in fact, toying with them. She could have easily eviscerated both of those Inquisitors and bounced, but... She is standing by a moral compass and it's not the Jedi code. It's something different, but she's like, I'm not going to kill you unless I have to, you'll be useful later. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. So she's my bae. I'm sticking to it. Mm -hmm. Who do you got?
1: Well, I picked Ezra. Good choice. Uh, Unexpectedly for a lot of the same reasons. Mm, Yes. I liked seeing Ezra really stepping up, really leveling up in this episode And as he is an action Jedi who is getting military training from Rex and Jedi training from Kanan, he is kind of unconsciously walking the same path as Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. He doesn't lightsaber to kill. He doesn't put his blaster on kill mode. He puts it on stun mode. Yes. He, without much of the formalized training, is kind of carving a similar thing to Ahsoka.
0: Yeah, I think that's really, really cool. And it comes from him actually having more of a Jedi tradition to follow, a broader set of tra- of Force traditions to follow, than even Kanan.
1: Mm. Kanan had
0: to strike out on his own, and then he's learning by teaching. And Ezra's like, so I'm learning from an actual Jedi, but he's like a self-taught Jedi. And also Ahsoka's there, and I can learn a ton from Ahsoka, just from her vibes.
1: And also Rex. Rex fought with Jedi most of his life. He (laughs) knows how a Jedi acts.
0: Yeah. And he'll tell him because Rex will pull up a battle map and be like, yes, so here's, you know, this battalion and that battalion. Here's where we put our Jedi because this is where the bad guys are going to be. And Ezra's going to be like, how does a Jedi help there? And Rex is going to be like, well, you leap over the bridge, you blow up this building, you kill this guy, you yeet that over into becoming a bridge so this people can go across.
1: You protect, you attack. You don't have to bring snack. Yeah. Be cool if you did.
0: And. Ezra's going to be like, I didn't even know that this type of thing was possible. And Rex is like, oh, yeah, I did it back on the fourth battle of Geonosis. Easy peasy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that Ezra is getting a really broad, deep curriculum from all yeah. the people around him, but he is also charting his own path according to his own moral compass. No one told Ezra, we need to blow up the gravity well reactor. He came to that conclusion all by himself. And I think that is amazing.
0: Also, like, he stuns Kanan and Rex and he's like, oh, no, you guys came to rescue me. I didn't need rescuing. I'm already (laughs) free. Like, I was going to blow this thing up, escape an escape pod, and have you pick me up later. He
1: was going to do the whole thing by himself and he was going to do it great.
0: Yes, which is hilarious.
1: Which, actually, he could have soloed this mission. He
0: did need Chopper.
1: Well, he could have almost soloed this mission. Yeah. To be fair, Chopper did one cool thing and then like ran over Ezra's fingers with his hooves (laughs) and like could have broken his sea spine. (laughs) So like how much use was Chopper really? It is a mixed bag, Sam. Hey,
0: Chopper. Okay, so Ahsoka got two Inquisitor takedowns, very high number. Rex, ton of kills. Kanan, ton of kills. Uh, Ezra, ton of takedowns, who later died, but doesn't count because he didn't do it. <laughs> Chopper got because of the way Star, Star Destroyers work. Apparently, the crew numbers also taken from those same source books from the 80s. You're like, oh yes, every single like bunk must be held up by four people continuously. Oh my God, it's insane. Chopper got like twenty thousand kills.
1: What? Yeah. No. Well, he
0: blew up two cruisers plus the interdictor.
1: Okay. They seemed minimally staffed.
0: They were on like a science mission. The cruisers would have been fully staffed because they were escort cruisers. Chopper just rocketed way up the Star Wars kill counts. That's dark. Yeah. And he's just like, this is how you do it. I don't just kill people with my shock prod. I blow up Star Destroyers.
1: (laughs) And then I trample them with my hooves. (laughs) Well, he
0: wants all the credit. But he's also like a big bully. And he's also like the littlest brother and he'll always be the littlest brother and he kind of hates that but it is fun
1: i did love when he was holding the baby with his teeny tiny arms Uh it was very cute but no baywatch for chopper today
0: nope maybe someday
1: maybe someday he's he's not on it yet is he 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 is not living up to the illustrious career of r2d2 who continues to be in the top 10 of baywatch (laughs) chopper is not r2
0: (laughs) i think it's for the better
1: All right, Sam, what are we watching next week?
0: We are trucking along through season two of Rebels, yeah. and although I know what's going on, you don't. We're going to watch season two, episode 11, Legacy, and season two, episode 12, A Princess on Lethal.
1: A Princess on Lethal. Yes. Hmm.
0: It's going to be fun. Is it I, Leia? I, Okay. She's the only princess for the 28th time. I am not giving away spoilers.
1: Oh, man. I guess you will have to wait in suspense with me and find out next week. Or you can
0: watch the episode. You literally
1: could type in disneyplus.com and and figure out what's going on. Or you could wait and find out with me. Tune in next week. (laughs) In the meantime, if you love what Growing Up Skywalker is doing and you want a little bit more, you should follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Threads. We are particularly enjoying Threads, so you should come and talk Rebels with us there. You can also enjoy bonus audio content on our Patreon. We're working our way through the tail End of Vision Season Mm 1. We're having a grand old time and you can get access to all of that bonus audio content and our entire two-year catalog for just $3 a month. So I don't know about you, but that is less than a latte in Denver.
0: As less than a black coffee in Denver.
1: With tip. And you should always tip your baristas. And you should tip us. By <laughs> on becoming Patreon. on Patreon. We have
0: we have other stuff too. We've got made a lot of content on Patreon. And it's like when we talk about visions, sometimes it's like, 40 minutes
1: (laughs) so we do heart vision so hard yeah
0: so so join us there we really appreciate that and uh in the meantime send this episode to someone who is in the process or recently has leveled up
1: Ooh. i hope it's you it is the new year however it is also the dark of winter so don't put too much pressure on yourself to level up but like maybe give a gold star recognition to someone who has We support growth.
0: Yes, because we're growing up (laughs) skywalking.
1: And we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Bye
0: Bye.